Hello, my friends. Welcome again to the Deeper Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Paul White. It's the third day of November. Uh, We're going to continue our look at the Creed today where the, the Creed states, I believe in the Holy Spirit. We talked about who the Holy Spirit is and why He is important yesterday. Um, And I told you we're going to get into power and holiness. I want to deal mostly with power today. We're going to push the dealing with Holy Spirit off for a couple days because I got enough to say. Plus, tomorrow is Friday, and we're going to air for you a long-form Friday. It is just under an hour long. By the time I do a little intro and outro, it might be an hour. Um, And it is a sit-down interview with my dad. Uh, He wanted to ask me some questions about the church and uh, about ministry. And so I kind of let him run the interview. I'll tell you more about it tomorrow. And it's, I think, some good stuff. So I think you will enjoy the Long Form Friday. If if that kind of thing is not for you, you just don't like to sit through an hour podcast or you don't like interviews, but you're enjoying the creed, then come back and be with us on Saturday's podcast as we'll introduce the Sunday sermon and continue with our look at this line from the creed, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Uh, You might have come under a tradition that said, I believe in the Holy Ghost. Either way, we're dealing with this agency of the Trinity that is the work and the walking alongside of the work of Jesus through through the one who walks alongside of us, he known as the Holy Spirit. My text today comes from the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians in the third verse, where Paul says, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. Listen to this next line. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. When people ask, do you think that the gift of God is grace or faith? I say both. Because Paul famously in Ephesians declares that we've been given the gift of but he puts it in the context of faith and grace, and people want to know which one's the gift. Is God's grace the gift, or is faith the gift? I say both because grace is obviously a gift. Grace can't have works attached to it, or it's not grace. Paul says that blatantly to the Romans. It's either works or it's not. But it's, I also say it's both because Paul states, no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So true faith is is a work of the Spirit. You don't just make a decision. You just go, okay, that's what I'm going to do. It's worked on you. It's worked in you by the Holy Spirit. And people might say, well, doesn't that take choice away? If, if that's the case, what if God doesn't work by the Holy Spirit in people? I believe he works on everybody <laughs> by the Holy Spirit because he's not willing that any should perish. Now, we reject the work of the Spirit We ignore the work of the Spirit. We suppress the work of the Spirit. We quench the work of the Spirit, but He's working. And then that true faith becomes a work of the Holy Spirit. When we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, we don't just believe that there is a Holy Spirit. We believe that He is at work within us. So we're not saying, I believe there's this one called the Holy Ghost. We're saying, I believe in Him. I don't just believe he is, but I believe in the work of the Holy Spirit. And my question then to you is, what is that work? Well, we talked a little bit yesterday about the paraclete, the walking alongside of us, uh, and that that word traditionally was someone who mourned with the bereaved, someone who 
hurt when you hurt, and that is certainly part of the Holy Spirit's role. But the other part is the promise of power. If you'll recall in Acts 1.8, Jesus told the disciples, all of those assembled, that they should tarry in Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father, and they would be endued with power from on high. Now, I want you to note that that's the outpouring of the Spirit at the day of Pentecost, which is what we call now, just we just term it as Pentecost or the Pentecostal way or whatever we might say. But when we think Pentecost, we think Holy Spirit. And that's because on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured into the church. But don't assume that that's the first time the Holy Spirit shows up because the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters in Genesis 1. The Spirit of God, or as he starts being called the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, uh, has been around for as long as God the Father and God the Son. He is there in the beginning. And so when you see Abraham or Isaac, Jacob, Abraham or Sarah, uh, Rebecca, Rachel, when you see those patriarchs and matriarchs of old moving and doing, uh, displaying faith towards God, they're doing it by the direction of the Holy Spirit. What happens at Pentecost is that that Holy Spirit becomes a permanent indwell, indweller in our lives. Paul would say we get sealed over by the Holy Spirit. But also, we receive the power, and it's not the power in the way that I think we get the idea when we watch, say, mass media, we watch Christian television, and we watch someone who's using, quote-unquote, using the power of the Holy Spirit in all of these ways or uh, or, or whatever, and and I'm not I'm not saying that God doesn't do great and mighty and fantastic and physical things, not at all. But to think that that's the promise of the power of the Holy Spirit would be foreign if you simply tried to take the power of the Holy Spirit from looking at the day of Pentecost, because on the day of Pentecost, Peter says this is that that was spoken of by the prophet Joel, and when he says this is that, he goes ahead to tell you what that is. He said the prophecy had nothing to do with tongues. The prophecy is that God was going to pour out his spirit on all. And then Peter breaks it down because he's using the book of Joel to do so. Sons, daughters, young men, old men, men servants, maid servants, they all get the Holy Spirit and they're going to prophesy. And so the power was not on the gift. The power was on the inclusiveness of the spirit. He didn't care how much money you made. He didn't care what your social status was. He didn't care what your gender was. He didn't care what your age was. All of these these dividing lines are torn down at the arrival of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit doesn't know all of our rules about who qualifies. This is why I think we make a mistake when we try to tell people who qualifies for the Holy Spirit. It's His call. Now, the true definition, as far as I'm concerned, of the power of the Holy Spirit is found right there in the fact that that everyone hears the wonderful works of God in their own language, Acts 2.8. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Judea, Cappadocians, Pontians, Asians, the list goes on, and it goes on for verse after verse, even in the English, Arabs or Arabians, which would cause some consternation among some believers. Everyone was hearing the wonderful works of God in their own language, which means... God was sending a message. This power of the Holy Spirit doesn't end with Peter, James, and John, because otherwise I would present them the message to you in their tongue. 
This is why when people say to me, don't you think we should be using Jesus's name in the original Hebrew? I get this question once in a while. Don't you think we should be using Jesus's name in the original Hebrew? Yeshua. That's where the real power is. And I say, my response to that now is, well, you should use it if you don't believe in the day of Pentecost, because the day of Pentecost lets you hear the wonderful works of God in your own tongue. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. You qualify in your tongue to both hear and proclaim the wonderful works of God. Tomorrow, Long Form Friday, Saturday, we get into the holy aspect of the Holy Spirit. We'll see you then. God bless.